Hello and welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at wideteams. This is episode 53. I am your host, Avdi Grimm, and I want to just say real quick that this podcast is made possible by generous support from Argyle, offering professional services with a niche focus in QA strategy and automated web testing. You can find out more about Argyle at A-R-R-G-Y-L-E dot com. Joining me today on the Wide Teams podcast is Josh Belanco. Josh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Thanks for having me. Josh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're you're at, and, uh, and, and what you're up to these days? All right, sure. Yeah. So um, I am currently a uh, software engineer with ELC Technologies, uh, which is a consulting group based out of Portland, Oregon. But I am actually in Ankara, Turkey, Um, just recently relocated from New York. And uh, before that, um, gosh, I've well, I'm sure we can go through it. The history is long and varied, but uh, involves New York, Miami, Cupertino, and uh, probably a couple of other places uh, in there. So, yeah, but currently uh, working with a pretty widely distributed team. We are currently working on SOA and a number of libraries to support uh, a couple of different clients uh, who've decided that uh, SOA is the solution that uh, they want to go with. So, yeah, that's that's and SOA for anyone who doesn't yeah. know is uh, it's service oriented architecture. So basically, um, I, I guess uh, the easiest way is uh, the client that we're working with now, um, they have a web app that we originally started developing for them. And, uh, you know, as these things go, they, they started off with uh, doing one thing. And then they realized, you know, oh, well, we could do this other thing and a little pivot here and we could add this thing and. Uh, you know, before you know it, they've got two dozen features and it's more of a platform than a website, mm-hmm. but it's still built as a website. So, uh, we come in and, uh, we're helping them to sort of take apart the pieces and, you know, build these as independent services that they can, uh, you know, repurpose potentially, uh, scale independently. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun work. Now, what brought you to Ankara? My wife is actually Turkish, and uh, we met uh, back in Miami. Uh, that's that's the Miami part of this story. Uh, we were actually both in grad school together. When we got married, uh, she said, you know, would you mind living in Turkey? And I said, no, no I'm, I'm all game for it, you know. I, and um, I said that actually having not been to Turkey. <laughs> But um, absolutely, positively, don't regret it. It's uh, it's been one of the greatest experiences um, getting to know Turkey and uh, now living in Turkey. So, tell me about the distribution of your team. How many people are in it, and uh, where are they located? Sure. So um, currently, I uh, play a role as tech lead of a team of, uh, depending on how you count it, uh, four to six people, and um, we're actually all remote, um, except for uh, our couple of DevOps guys who are based out of Portland. Um, so I'm in Ankara, and we have one guy in Italy, and then we actually have one person in Indiana and one in 
I believe it's Michigan. It's Wisconsin or Michigan. I always confuse the two. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I myself uh, grew up in Illinois, so um, that's probably a horrible thing for me to say. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So uh, in the past, we've actually had people on the team uh, from Singapore, um, Mexico. Uh, we have one guy that's on uh, not our team, but a team that we work very closely with who's based in New Zealand. Hmm. And um, a couple of months ago, we actually had one engineer who was uh, traveling around the world. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, it was pretty wild. He was uh, Singapore one week and Shanghai and then uh, just kind of had to adjust the time zone every week uh, to figure out when we should call him. What's the What's the history there? How did this very widely spread team come together? Well, so um, a lot of it is uh, actually our, our uh, CEO. Um, he, when I first met him, he uh, explained to me, he said, you know, that um, everybody loves what they do, but everybody also has a life and you really shouldn't have to compromise one for the other. And so he kind of ha- has taken it uh, upon himself to, I don't know if seek out is the right word, but but definitely not let remote be a hindrance to hiring who he feels are the best people. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, by the time I joined the team, uh, ELC was already worldwide. Uh, in fact, Singapore, we have uh, something of a subsidiary office there. Um, and uh, the couple of people that we have from uh, uh, on other teams from Germany, Italy, uh, New Zealand, as I said, uh, they've actually been with the company longer than I have. So it was actually really nice to be able to, uh, you know, join the team and see that they already were, you know, used to this mode of working and uh, willing to accommodate, especially given um, the the job search that led up to uh, finally finding ELC was uh, uh, somewhat torturous. Um, it was not, not fun um, mm. trying. Because, um, yeah, so I guess... We, we had already decided uh, uh, that we were going to move to Ankara, and it was just a matter of how that was going to happen. And the uh, the problem is, is that what I found is a lot of uh, job postings, they'll say remote, mm-hmm. but what they really mean is anywhere in the U.S. remote. And, and some of them are nice enough to say anywhere in the U.S. remote, um, but some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, I even was all the way through the whole interview and, and offer process with one uh, one one uh, uh, particular position uh, before they finally decided that um, they didn't actually mean anywhere remote. Um, so, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a um, it was it was a bit of a, a an adventure trying to get this uh, figured out, but. So would you would you get partway into into meeting a company and then and then spill that you're planning to move move to Turkey and they would sort of back off? Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because um, it seems like a lot of it is a lot of it was I think a combination of uh, ignorance maybe and just general angst. Hmm. So you know I I. I was in the U.S. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a U.S. citizen. So, you know, as far as it goes with, uh, you know, hiring people and, and uh, what are all the visa numbers that, you know, the, that you have to worry about and right. applications, none of that was an issue, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I had even confirmed with, uh, 
you know, professionals that uh, wasn't going to be an issue. I explained to the companies, look, you know, I'll, I'll, I will not be living in the contiguous 48 or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not an issue, right? You really don't have to worry about it. You don't have to know about that part of it. And, and then if it's a matter of time zones, you know, I'm willing to be flexible on time zones. Um, but yeah, there just seems to be a bit of a mental barrier there that, uh, is really difficult to get past, it seems. So. Hmm. That's a shame. Although, I mean, I guess, I, I guess some of it might come from bad experiences that people have had, but. Um. Yeah. I have to say, I, I imagine I'm probably not the typical case. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually not sure how many, uh, expat developers uh there are in in the software engineering world mm-hmm. uh, i i know of uh actually quite a few uh europe and, and even asia based uh developers but usually they are are you know working from their homeland or or at least somewhere near their homeland um so i you know i think maybe it was a bit of that you know just just that this is new and unexpected um and uh yeah possibly bad experiences in the past um and, and I think also just, um, a lot of people don't really sort of, um, Turkey is one of these, it seems like it's a bit of a black hole of people's, um, knowledge of, <laughs> which is, um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm speaking from personal experience here because, you know, before I actually, uh, met my wife and, and visited Turkey and came to, you know, know and love Turkey, um, I didn't really know anything about Turkey. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting experience. Um, hmm. So so what what uh, what should people know about Turkey? Oh gosh, um, it, it really is a unique place. Um, in many ways, it's actually very similar to the U.S. I, I, I've said in the past it almost reminds me of if you uh, took the tape of the U.S.'s history and fast forwarded about two or three hundred years, you might not be that far off from Turkey because. Um, you know, as you might know, it's history is, uh, you know, tied in with the Ottoman Empire. And one thing that characterized the Ottoman Empire was that it was basically a giant melting pot. So, for example, my wife has ancestry that's uh, Georgian and Bosnian. Hmm. Um, but we have had Turkish friends that uh, you'd mistake them for Chinese or Russian or, you know, you, you go through the supermarkets here and the you know sort of the the ethnic diversity that you see you'd never know that you weren't in the US un- until they start speaking you know so so it's a very interesting uh culture in that respect but then the other thing that's really interesting is that it's very young it's very youth oriented one of their uh, national holidays is actually a uh, youth and sports day which <laughs> I, is uh, kind of fun and and as such um there's a very interesting hacker culture that's grown up uh in Turkey but I think that sort of a, a bit of a lack of direction or I don't know if you want to call it lack of opportunity, but it just seems like nothing has really coalesced. You know, certain places are, are getting to be known um, for development. Uh, for example, actually, uh, one of the clients that we work with, they have a QA team based out of the Ukraine. And I know, for example, Russia has gotten to be, you know, sort of this up and coming place for development. Um, I'm trying to think of where else. Uh, well, um, Crytek, uh, not, not to ramble on too long about this, but Crytek is a very interesting example. Um, you know, you might know them from uh, Crisis. Right, right. The, uh, the engines that drive those games. Um, it's actually three Turkish brothers 
that started the company, but they started it in Germany. And uh, they now have development studios, I, I think, in Bulgaria, if I recall correctly, and, and sort of basically everywhere around the Black Sea except Turkey. <laughs> um, yeah, which is very, you know, very interesting. Um, mm. But actually, Turkey is now uh, – I saw something just the other day. Uh, yet another European VC is saying that uh, Turkey is the place to be for startups. Um, mm. It's – Really starting to come in, into its own, but again, you know, it's all very new and and I think uh, just not really known. So people, I think it goes without saying, don't think of Turkey when they think of you know software development. So, mm. so you are you're working remotely, but you're and you're also a team lead. What's in your playbook for keeping keeping a team that that's that's that far dispersed uh, coordinated? A good dose of micromanagement. Mm, um, okay. So. You know, I've, I've been on teams that are co-located and we've done the whole, you know, stand up in the morning and then everybody just sort of disperses and, you know, does their thing. And that works if, if you are co-located, but, uh, with being remote, it, it sometimes is, uh, we have to spend a little more time just coordinating with each other, communicating, uh, you know, what are you working on now? Are you having problems with this? Behaviors that probably would be annoying, uh, if we were co-located, but being remote, it, it's just sort of, I, I guess, the price of doing business. Mm-hmm. So. So do you kind of check in on, on the other people in the team? It's not so much checking in. It's more, um, what we've done that, uh, actually something we just recently instituted that I think is working out really well for us is during our daily stand-ups, we will, uh, you know, do the usual, you know, what, what did I do? What am I going to do? Uh, but then we also just have a little piece at the end where everybody announces, um, and I am available for pairing today or I am not, you know, maybe, hmm. maybe I'm heads down and, uh, you know, deep in this code and, and please don't bother me. Or, you know, maybe it's, yeah, I've got a couple of small bugs to fix, but I could pair. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sort of everybody takes mental note of who's available for pairing and we sort of check in on each other. Uh, so, you know, if, if I say I'm available for pairing and, uh, one of the other guys says he's available for pairing, you know, a couple hours, uh, after the stand up, I might call him up on Skype or, you know, hit up I am and, and, uh, you know, Hey, what are you working on? Um, you know, you want to pair on something you're doing or I've got this thing. So, yeah, it's it's not exactly checking in, but it's a good way to sort of uh, have everybody keep tabs on each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about pairing. Uh, what first of all, what kind of tools are you using to pair remotely? It's it's kind of uh, whatever works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we found that uh, uh, flexibility is is really the name of the game. Typically, we'll do Skype for voice. Although uh, we've actually been playing around with Join Me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, join me is really good for the screen sharing and, and they have a, a, a voice conference feature, which works if we're working with people on either Mac or windows, but we do have a developer on Linux. So, uh, if we're pairing with him or if he's in on the call, then, then using their, um, voice chat isn't an option. Uh, so sometimes we'll do Google Hangouts. Mm-hmm. The one thing that, um, I have to say I'm a little sad we haven't actually gotten around to doing yet is the uh, shared TMUX session. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely on our radar, and it's something that we, we plan to do in the future. So. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Uh, in my experience, the, uh, the, the keyboard lag with screen share, I do a lot of screen share pairing myself and the keyboard lag, um, can be pretty bad. Do you, do you find yourselves trading keyboards back and forth much or do you, do you pretty much have like a, a navigator and a driver kind of setup? We, we typically do have a navigator driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the keyboard lag is definitely something. It, it's one of the reasons that we, um, you know, have, uh, the shared Tmux session on our to-do list. Right. Um, but to be quite honest, I don't think it's actually prevented us from getting as much done as, as we would. Um, one thing is just you have to be willing to talk a lot. Right. Uh, which, you know, with our group, it's not a problem, um, especially with me. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, so so if you're just kind of talking your way through it, occasionally you'll, you'll have that, uh, wait a second, you know, my screen hasn't caught up yet. Can you, can you just hold off? Let the thing refresh. Um, you know, let me right. see what you're looking at, uh, and then go from there. But, but for the most part, it's actually not been too much of a hindrance. Uh, actually, one thing that we've been doing too, uh, as far as Google Hangouts go is, um, since everybody can share their screen, uh, sort of at the same time or independently is, uh, we'll just have people pull up the same piece of code. Um, or actually what we've been doing is, um, we, we've been learning closure. Mm-hmm. And so we've been playing around with foreclosure, uh, which is, you know, this website that has, uh, varying degrees of difficulty, um, of problems to play with. Um, and, and so everybody will sort of pull up, uh, a problem, uh, work on it. And then we can go back to the Google, uh, hangout and, and sort of click between everybody's screen to see what everybody came up with. Um, so that actually is kind of fun as well. Very interesting. And how much, how much of your day would you say, or like, do you, do you pair a lot or occasionally or? It, it really depends on, uh, sort of what's on the plate for, for the day and or the week and or the sprint. A couple of sprints back, we, we found that we, we weren't actually getting enough done, um, with sort of the normal pair as you go mentality that we had been taking. So we actually instituted this concept of uh, yak shaving days hmm. where it was basically we gave everybody permission uh, to uh, once during a sprint call for a yak shaving day uh, where it's basically I have this giant problem and I need help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so so that sort of sets up a designated driver uh, for the, the problem and uh, everybody knows, you know, we, we, we give a, a day's notice uh, ahead of time so everybody can sort of clear their plate. And then everybody kind of knows, you know, okay, today we're going to help so-and-so with such-and-such problem. And they're, they're not pleasant, but they're not really intended to be. You know, they're, they're intended to sort of be a measure of last resort. And, and thankfully, after we got through a couple of them and uh, tackled some of the really hard problems that we were facing, uh, we actually haven't had to have too many since. Mm-hmm. But we found that uh, it, it sort of really worked as a, as a adjustment, you know, if, if we weren't pairing enough or if we didn't have enough eyes on a problem. Um, it was a good way to do sort of a, a quick adjustment. So, yeah, that was, that was a interesting experiment. I think I think everybody was happy with it. So, when you're not pairing, uh, what's the communication like? Are you talking to each other over over IM a lot, or or uh, what are you doing? Yeah, we actually we've been using HipChat. Um, okay. Uh, mostly just due to, uh, you know, in, in addition to being widely dispersed, we're also uh, have quite a diversity of uh, platforms and whatnot. 
Um, and, and we found HipChat uh, gave us the greatest uh, number of different choices for integrating. So some of us are using the Air Client and some of us are uh, using ADM or, or the website. Right. So that, that, that actually is the focus of most of what we're doing. Email is, is important, but email is also kind of tricky. Uh, it's one of those things that becomes a dumping ground. So, you know, you, you have your, uh, exception alerts come in over email, but then you also have, you know, your, your Zendesk tickets coming in over email and you know, updates to the wiki coming in over email. And right. eventually, you know, if, if you aren't nimble with the, uh, filters, people start just kind of ignoring email. So, uh, we actually have started taking to, um, our Confluence wiki a little bit more and trying to focus uh, some of the conversations there. You know, the, the, the things that say would have been long email threads uh, instead just turn them into a wiki page with a discussion. Mm-hmm. We've been having mixed success with that. Um, it, it's, I think it's one of those things. It's a, a bit of an initial barrier to overcome um, just getting people to get into that mindset. Right. Uh, but uh, in the past when I, when I've had remote teams, um, I've found that wikis are actually uh, a really good tool to have, sort of a, a underappreciated tool, I think. Um, yeah. Well, in my experience, it seems like it's it's easy to forget about them. Uh, it seems like the biggest problem. Yeah, yeah, and I I definitely know what you mean. I think part of it is, <laughs> as odd as it sounds, uh, one thing that I've found helps prevent that is you keep all the important passwords on the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sooner or later, somebody's going to need to log in somewhere, and they're either going to forget the machine name or they're going to forget the password, and they're going to have to go to the wiki. And then they've got the browser window with the wiki open, and it's you know sort of oh hey, uh, guess I'll take a look at these you know three new pages that uh, are showing up as alerts. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. It, it does get forgotten about uh, if you don't it, you know it's it's a culture thing. Um, if you don't have the culture built up around the wiki, uh, it is very easy to forget about. So. Right. What's your top piece of advice for anybody else working in a dispersed team? I guess I would have to say communication. I, I know it sounds horribly cliche, but you just you have to really make an effort at it. And it's one of those things that I think, how do I say it? One thing that I've kind of appreciated um, living uh, overseas and, and I speak some Turkish, but not a lot. It's amazing how much you can communicate with somebody, even without having a language in common, just through facial cues and gestures and intonation. And, and, you know, you lose a lot of that, uh, when you're not sitting next to a person or passing them in the hallway all the time. So you really do have to sort of, uh, take stock of all of all of those uh, nonverbal means of communication that you would normally get and figure out a way to put them into verbal communication. I, I don't know if can, can you can you list some some examples of that? Gosh, yeah, I guess one thing that that I found is particularly tricky is humor. Mm-hmm. So humor, I, I don't I don't know if people think about it uh, so much when they're telling a joke or hearing a joke. But humor is tremendously nonverbal. And you have to be really careful because quite a lot of different kinds of humor can come across as 
either offensive or or just sort of, you know, why'd he say that um, if you don't have those nonverbal cues? So, you know, occasionally you either have to dial it back. I probably use uh, more than my fair share of emoticons, um, which I, I hope sort of gets the point across, but emoticons are, are a, um, they're really not a, a, a great substitute. Um, and then I guess also just uh, shared context. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, you just have to develop over time. Mm-hmm. Um, every group gets inside jokes um, and it's part of the sort of the, the, the process of, um, you know, forming a cohesive group. And it just, takes a little longer, I think, uh, if you're remote. Right. So patience. Patience is another one. Patience and communication. Yeah. All right. Well, before I let you go, where can people find uh, more about you and your company online? Yeah. So uh, you can find more about uh, ELC at uh, elctech.com. Uh, and actually, if you go there, you'll find uh, we have a little banner up. We've got uh, big news coming. Um, but uh, don't want to spill the beans just yet. Uh, definitely keep an eye on the site. Uh, as for me personally, I uh, tweet under the Twitter handle Manhattan Metric, um, just all smushed together. And I don't have a, a good website. I do have a website, but uh, not one that I would point people at. So uh, if you wanted to see more of my work, you could uh, definitely check out my GitHub profile. Um, and on GitHub, I am J Balank. So that's J B A L L A N C. Um, and I've got a couple of projects there. All right. Well, Josh, thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you. And that's our show. I hope you've enjoyed it. To subscribe to the show if you haven't already, or to check out more interviews and articles about remote work, go to wideteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store, where, where reviews are very welcome. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Bouquet. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm signing off. Wow, 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 wow,